And welcome to the Leaders in Learning Design podcast by Blue Consulting and Resourcing, the place to get up-to-the-minute information for cutting-edge learning design. So listeners, we have been talking a lot about reuse and about microlearning, and I think these things sort of blend together really well, especially as we look at the way that learning um, and learning design in big corporations is changing. And I think it took a global crisis to move L&D into this space. John, do you think it really is changing any more than we've been saying those kind of things since you and I got involved in instructional design? It's a changing world, so to speak. It's a bit of a cliche. Do you really think it is changing? Well, we've had a lot of small changes uh, that sort of add up over time up until COVID, and then it was a big change. We couldn't have in-person classes in the way that we'd had before, but we still had a need for learning to occur. So we had to think outside the box and be much more creative than we have in the past. It pushed us into spaces where we've been maybe a little hesitant to get involved and to really dive into distance learning, remote learning, hybrid learning. Those things were oh, we'll never fly, we'll never do that, we'll never get people involved. Instead of the naysayers winning the day, we had to change, we had to move, we had to make it work. There's definitely that big push. I absolutely see that. And, you know, a lot of times, I think you and I have talked about this before, a lot of times people had to adapt. We didn't always do it properly. We... For example, uh, we saw a lot of courses being delivered virtually that really had no place being delivered virtually. We were delivering the old solution just in a virtual way, and that didn't work. You know, the, we, we saw courses of one week, two weeks, three weeks being delivered remotely. Didn't really work, did it? No, those were painful learning experiences. Um, and, you know, we used to joke about death by PowerPoint, and then it became death by Zoom. So you compounded your PowerPoint remote uh, reveal one bullet at a time kind of nonsense with doing it remote as well. Um, definitely uh, those courses, they're dinosaurs. We can't go into those long courses remotely or in a hybrid environment and expect the learner to stay engaged. And engagement is where they learn. So if you're delivering learning for the purpose of helping your learner, you just have to stay away from those things. But what do you do? It, it, it takes you X number of weeks to get somebody to the requisite level you can't change that. What do you do? How on earth do you handle that situation as an instructional designer? Well, we're seeing a lot more on-the-job training. And when we compound those or integrate them rather with micro-learning, you go back to almost an apprenticeship model that was very popular um, sort of in the 1800s where you learned at the master's feet while you were doing things. Well, if you can get on-the-job training where you're applying a little bit of learning, say a day's worth of learning or a half day, and then those things are being reinforced with micro-learning as you are applying it, you get that sense of um, apprenticeship, that knowledge that's being pushed to you at key points to be able to support your learning. 
the smaller the chunks, uh, the easier it is to integrate into your everyday work, to have that traction for um, your employer, to be able to get more value and avoid more mistakes, uh, whether that's a training on collaboration or a training on agile management. You can use the smaller pieces, whether they're mini courses or micro learning, to support better function, better produ productivity, um, and better results. You've used that phrase, micro learning and, and, and shorter learning pieces. I mean, what are we talking about here? What, what is micro learning? Uh, I, I'm saying that with a smile because I think you and I spoke with a client very recently who defined micro learning, but in 30 minute chunks. And I think you might have a smaller time span in mind when you're talking micro. Is that right? Yes, I am thinking a little more granular than 30 minutes. Um, a 30 minute course would probably fall in the category of a mini course rather than a micro learning. Micro learnings tend to be less than 10 minutes and often fluctuate around five. There's not a lot you can teach as on a single objective that's less than five minutes, where you need some kind of introduction, some kind of activity, and some kind of uh, summary that ties it all together for the learner. Too often I see less effective microlearnings being almost like a multiple choice question that's flicked out via text or some other very mobile uh, application that says, you know, do you remember this fact or this point from a course? Well, that's not really microlearning. They haven't learned anything. You've just triggered some recall. Uh, if you're going to help them really learn something, there has to be some application tied to it. And a multiple choice question doesn't usually hit the spot. So you, you would honestly think that within a five-minute learning intervention, people can actually apply what's being learned within that five-minute window, really? It's a bit of a stretch, but yes, I do. So if you take an objective and you say, this is the point, when we do this, these things happen, think about your situation, how would that apply? You're triggering an application where you've set them up, you've demonstrated it, you're tying it to the work that they do. It's a relevant content chunk tied to a legitimate skill gap that actually allows them to now look around their uh, workday and say, where could I apply that point? Whether it's um, you know, gender sensitivity, collaboration, um, negotiation, we're engaged in those activities all day long. So we're likely to come across a situation where we could apply a relevant principle from something like that. So in a sense then, I suppose, in that way you describe it there, the application thinking doesn't end at the end of the five minutes. You almost sow the seeds of how does this point relate to what you do? And that thought can exist and persist outside of the five minute micro learning. It's something that people can be thinking of during the rest of their working day outside of that five minute piece, isn't it? That's You've sown the seed of the application in that sense. Absolutely. And that's when it lifts productivity because they are looking for a place to actually connect it right now in the workplace. Um, too often I see instances of folks going to courses and then they get so distracted by their regular work 
that they don't actually apply anything. So work just overwhelms them. And they need those micro-learnings, I think, to refresh. You know, the one thing, I'm going to sound like I'm cynical about micro-learning, and I'm really not, but one thing that does concern me a little bit is I've certainly seen micro-learnings that I would say lack any connection, lack any connectivity. It's just like a random buckshot of lots of short little bits, some of that stick on the target, some that don't. It lacks a bit of cohesion or sequence or I don't know, just a little bit like random buckshots, the best way I can put it. That's not good instructional design, is it? No. No, you need a learning strategy. And we've talked about learning strategies before, but you need an overarching learning strategy that says for the course of six months or a year, we're going to move learners through this learning sequence. And we're going to do it with a series of mini courses, micro learning, um, communication reinforcement. You need a plan. You need that high level strategy. And learners' attention spans are dropping. I mean, we used to say that as humans, we had the span attention span of a goldfish. Well, I wish it was that long now. In 2016, you might have expected learners to watch a 20-minute YouTube video or a training video, safety video, those sorts of things. Now in 2021, learners already are swiping away after 20 seconds of a TikTok video that just doesn't seem relevant. They're not interested. Done. Next, next, next. You watch that learner behavior when they're in a classroom and they are dying if there's no engagement. And micro-learnings hit the spot. Five minutes for those TikTok addicts is a little long. They're struggling to stay engaged for five minutes. We have to pivot as learning professionals and think about learning differently. I think even in some of the four-hour workshops that you and I have been doing recently, Joanne, the virtual workshops, it's interesting that the activity times, the average activity time has really shrunk. I mean, I can remember designing 45-minute activities not that long ago, and it was totally appropriate in the classroom to have that amount of time devoted to a learning activity. But we're finding even in the virtual world, we're having to really truncate that activity time just to retain people's attention, quite honestly. We we lose them in the virtual world, don't we? If we send them off for a 45-minute activity, the chance of getting them all back after 45 minutes, it's, it's a slim chance, quite frankly. They've gone on and in the meantime been doing other stuff because that's the way people are consuming information. Yes. And... It shows up, I think, in psychological distance. So when you're physically present, it's much more natural to have that uh, informal conversation. And when you've got those bullet points, the facilitators in the room, so you have that expectation that everybody's going to speak. When I jump into those breakout rooms with those longer activities, after about five or 10 minutes worth of conversation, they're done. They don't know what else to say. So unless I'm priming with additional questions, they do a very superficial um, conversation. And I think even you and I, we know we have to bring those um, activities into smaller chunks to get them to be more successful. So if I am 
a good but old school instructional designer. I'm getting worried now. This sounds like it's quite a different beast. It's not a four week program anymore. I don't have one hour long learner activities. I'm having to reinvent myself as an instructional designer. One thing we, we, we've been really hammering home here is the idea that learning times are going to compact, need to compact, attention spans are shorter. What else would you say were the two or three things that I've really got to get my head around as an old school but high quality instructional designer? How do I reinvent myself? What am I going to have to learn and do differently and keep top of mind to be successful in this kind of world? So I think the number one thing you have to do is you have to simplify your process and upgrade your skill set. If you do nothing else, that is going to pay huge dividends for the next 10 years, I think, because simpler instructional design processes uh, and more uh, variety of skills is going to stand you in good stead. And I think it always has. You get better and better at those things. But it's not coding anymore. It used to be instructional designers are really good at developing and coding sophisticated learning interactions. But there are so many uh, tools out there that support an agile instructional design mindset. They're, you know, instruction blocks and interaction blocks, and you're just rapidly putting those things together. It's all about clicks now. It's not so much about coding. And I don't want you to get stuck in like a deep technical area when you need more agile tools. Um, rapid video development, rapid course development, uh, things that have mobile uh, versions built in so you build once and it works on a computer, it works on a, an iPad, it works on your phone. You want to use tools that are supporting those things and where possible that you're using tools that support great feedback so that you know how many clicks, how far through this did they get? Did they finish it? Did they get uh, pass all the assessments on it? You need all of that being drilled in to the systems that you're using. Because you have to mock up in minutes, not months. Rapid design of shorter learning segments with easier tools is going to make you look like a fabulous instructional designer and give massive benefit to your learners. So those are the three things I think that we've really got to focus on. Um, it's not a scary world. It is an exciting one if you want to learn new tools and new ways of doing things um, and to support learners doing that. You don't have to be afraid. Well, I hope people aren't afraid, but, but I think maybe what we can begin to do over the next couple of weeks, Joanne, is maybe talk a little bit more about some of these things and give people some really concrete direction if you like as to where they can turn to learn a little bit more about these ideas and maybe pick up some of these skills if you like or these uh, th these new practices i think it would be helpful for people if we could maybe just drill a little deeper around these topics because it is it's changing and all of us who've been really really good at what we do for a long long time we can still be good at what we do but we're going to have to do it just a tiny bit differently. Absolutely. 
Listeners, you've been listening to the Leaders in Learning Design podcast by Blue Consulting and Resourcing, a regular podcast for cutting-edge learning design. 